0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala sermon podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org. Well, good morning, church. We'll be in John chapter 8 this morning, and we continue in John, but we start a new series. <clears throat> as you can notice up here on your left, we've gone from our song into the, in the night to through the valley of shadow. And so as we go through the book of John, it gets brighter and brighter. But this morning we're going to start out with like kind of what I talk with the kids You ever got caught? You ever get caught like red-handed? Like, oh my goodness! And there's no way out. You know, I can think of a few times with Deb. She says, "I told you this," and I'm like, "I don't remember." But I also remember when I was 16, I got pulled over like 24 times in the first year. I remember that number. I'm like, how in the world? I mean, it didn't matter where I was in town or what time it was, I'd get pulled over. And then everybody knew about it because all the lights and everything. And my vehicle was distinctive, you know, it was, uh, I, I liked that thing. Well, it wasn't until years later I figured out that my dad fished with all the cops. There was a reason I was getting pulled over all the time. It was, hey, Todd's got his driver's license. I want you all to check up on him. And so I didn't ever get a ticket then, for those that, <laughs> that duration. But I was all the time getting pulled over. It was like getting caught. I remember one night, it was on the way home from work, and it was dark, and it was right there, and there was nobody around the lights were on. I'm like, whoa. So I was constantly getting caught. And so when we think of things in our life, is it like, whoa. You can think of that one time, well, I got caught. And Jesus meets a lady when she got caught. And it was like I was talking with the kids. We know we're going to get caught. or when we do, we don't want it on CNN or Fox News. So this morning we're see that following Jesus gives light and life. Following Jesus, being a believer in him, trusting him as your Lord and Savior, is paired up with following him. And he gives light and life. Turn with me to John chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 1. They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, "'Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such a woman.' Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. So it's early in the morning and Jesus sits down at the temple and there's a lot of people that want to hear him teach. And there's a large crowd there And so in front of everyone, the scribes and the Pharisees bring a woman who is guilty of adultery and rush her right up to Jesus and interrupt his teaching and say, Teacher, we've caught this woman in the act. And the law says clearly that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus kneels and writes something in the dirt. And while they continue to badger him for an an answer. He says, let him who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone. And he's writing in the dirt. And one by one they leave. The oldest one's first to the youngest. And at this point, it's amazing to me what in the world, I would love to know what Jesus wrote. Imagine you have an audience and you're teaching them and people gather around for teaching, and here are these rugrats show up, blah, 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 just to disrupt it. It's not even about her, it's to catch Jesus. And so he re- kneels down and writes in the dirt. Yes, it was true. In Leviticus, a woman, a couple caught in adultery was guilty to be stoned. They were technically right. So what was he writing? Could it have been. According to the law, you don't tango alone. Takes two to tango, right? So where's the other tango partner? Well, you got the woman, you don't have the guy. Maybe it was right in the name of the tango partner. Maybe it was one of the tango partners was in the crowd. Maybe one of the tango partners was the one wanting her to be stoned. We don't know. This is where John, I wish oh, we put this in here. We don't know. We do know the law said, yes, she could be stoned, and him. And so that's why Jesus says, let you who are guilt, without sin cast the first stone. Because one, one thing we like in America is pure justice. Do we not? We love clear, concise, and mitigated justice. The law afforded that. Your wife was caught, or your husband was caught in an act of adultery. Guess who get to throw the first stone? The offended party. Imagine the size of rock Deb would throw at me. It would start, it wouldn't be the death blowing rock, the 4,000 pound boulder. It would be a pebble. Start the process. The guilty party, the one who had been sinned against, got to cast the first stone. So Jesus says, okay, where's the other party? And they get to throw the stone. Where's her husband? Nobody says anything, and he continues to write, and I don't know what he wrote there either. But we know the oldest one catch the message first. Then the younger ones are left there. Then they leave. And Jesus says, where's your accuser? Where are they? You've been dragged in front of everybody. Where's your accuser? And she gets to say, no one. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus, in the midst of a chaotic situation, deals with sin in the dark. His world is disrupted. He's been trying to get put in the... They're trying to put him in the trick bag. No thought about her. And they were following the law. And Jesus can balance truth and compassion in front of an audience. Imagine the people sitting there watching this go on. Sin, big time guilty, nasty in the dark kind of sin has taken place. And it doesn't scare Jesus. He's there. He addresses the accusers, and he also addresses the guilty. She doesn't get a get out of jail free card. What does Jesus tell her? Go and sin no more. Repent. We've. Learn that Jesus knows. Jesus knows the hearts and motives. Who's he been the most critical of? Those who pretend to know the law. Those who pretend to want justice. Who's he been the most compassionate with? Those the woman. He could have really drilled her. As kind of he could have said, yeah, you're going. Start throwing some stones. No. Hey, repent. You've met me, interacted with me, Repent, and now go sin no more. Sin in the dark, and Jesus is right there. By the way, he does the exact same for us today. Wherever you're caught, whatever situation you're in, you meet Jesus in the sin of the dark, guess who ain't scared? No matter how many accusers are around you, so many people barking and pointing out on Facebook, oh, they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty. And you're like, yeah, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Jesus can meet you right there, you can deal with the sin in the dark. Let's move to verse 12 and look at the sin in the light. <clears throat> and, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he said Where I'm going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him they did not understand that he was speaking to them about the father so Jesus said to them when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the father taught me and he who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him as he was saying these things many believed in him so we talked about the sin in the dark now let's look at sin in the light Jesus makes the first of two incredibly bold truth statements in John chapter eight. The first is, "I'm the light of the world, and therefore walk as Christians who walk in the light. Following me means walking in the lightness in the light, not in the darkness." One writer said, "For John, believing and following are virtually synonymous." Believing and following are virtually synonymous. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, so walk in the light. Do we walk, do we say we believe, and then do we walk as if we're in the light? Do we follow Jesus by our actions? And the Pharisees then say, this is a lie. They call him out, they say, you have no authority on your own. They say, Proceed with court ideas that the Pharisees would have known. You can't bear, you can't be your own witness in their mind. So Jesus answered, It is true that I came from heaven and shall return. You don't know that. You can only judge what you observe. But my Father and I see all and are very qualified to judge all matters of truth. The law does indeed require two witnesses. Remember, back with adultery, it take two witnesses to prove something was true. So Jesus says, "Yeah, your law says that you need two witnesses. Here's mine, me and God the Father." So that's why they say, "Where is your father?" What are you talking about? They ask for a witness. Jesus says, "Here's my father will be the witness." And the, so they say, "Then bring him forward." And Jesus says, you neither know my Father nor me. If you knew me, you'd know my Father. And Jesus continued to teach and speak openly in the temple. And get this, no one arrested him. Why? Because they were really bad cops and couldn't put handcuffs on? Because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus says the second bold truth. I'm going away and you'll seek me. You'll die in your sins, unable to go to heaven. Verse 21. Jesus makes a claim. Hey, I'm only going to be here for a little while, and my offer to you is only temporary. We said this last week in John chapter 7. So the Pharisees are listening to him. They they call for the witness. Who's your witness? My father is the witness. And then they're like, where are you going? We can't find you. Oh, he must be going to kill himself. And Jesus says... Responds to that, I'm from above and you're from here of this world. I'm not from this world. Again, deal with your sin issue. If you do not deal with your sin issues, believing that I am He. So, what's the logical response the Jewish leaders would say? Well, then who are you? Jesus answers, I've been answering this very same question from the start. You can see the frustration in his voice. And I have much to say about you and much to judge. You talk about a tempered response. The Father who sent me is true, and I've declared to the world that I've heard from him. And the Jews are still completely unaware that he's referring to God the Father. And so he teaches very plainly, when you cross crucify me, then you'll know that I am he. The wor- the, the, he's worked under the Father's authority. He's spoken exactly what the Father wanted him to speak. He's never alone. The Father is always with him. And he always does what the Father wants him to do. And look at verse 30. Some people get it. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Somebody got it. Remember, Jesus made two powerful truth claims. I'm the light of the world, so walk as you follow me in the light of the world. Following me means living, walking in light, not in darkness. And the second bold truth was, I'm going away and you'll seek me. You'll die in your sins and I'm unable to go to heaven unless you deal with me. Basically, a follower of Jesus walks like Jesus and his offer of light in this dark world is only temporary. So we've seen sin in the dark. Now we've seen sin in the light. Now let's look at sin as Character. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So the son sets you free. You will be free indeed. I know that you are of the offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not. And you do not. You do what you have heard from the father, your father. They answered him. Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you can convict me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? For whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. So we've seen sin in the dark, sin in the light, and now we're going to see sin is our character. Jesus just instructs those who had started in their faith journey what it means to follow him. If you look back to verse 31, it says, if you abide in my word, if you take living nourishment from it, if you set your zip code as Jesus and reside in his word, then there is life. And then you will know truth and the truth will set you free. Character change begins. He starts with the positive. If you're going to follow me, it's going to work at the root of what you are by abiding in him, taking your nourishment from him, living in him. Character change will then happen. Freedom from sin and life abundantly in the light is in Jesus, not in ourselves. It isn't to pull you up by your bootstraps and just try harder tomorrow to make it, it's abiding in Jesus. And you can hear the Jews yelling clarification, no, we're descendants of Abraham. We are not slaves. How could you call us slaves? Because Jesus says, if you practice sin, if you make it your practice of sin, you are enslaved to sin. It doesn't take much thought to come up with illustrations where people are enslaved to sin. If you've ever been in the heart throngs of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, as just two examples, in slavery to that is not pretty. And it, it, we're handcuffed to it. When you make it a practice, you make it your common, what your just normal everyday activity is to practice that sin like you're practicing for the baseball squad, sin enslaves. And so the Jews are like, hey, we're never we're not slaves. Abraham was our dad. Remember the Exodus? We got out of that joint. that's when Jesus says, hey, I'm talking about spiritual slavery. You practice slavery. You practice sin. By the way, slaves never inherit. If you are enslaved to sin, you're not going to inherit anything. You think your daddy is Abraham and you inherit heaven? No, you have inherited sin. Sin is your character and only the son grants inheritance. Jesus says, I'm Jesus, I'm the son of God, I can grant you an adoption, inheritance into the family. You guys are disqualified. Yeah, you're obviously physical descendants of Abraham, but you don't act like it because you want to kill me. The Jews declare again, Abraham is our father. And Jesus answers, "You could be you are descendants physically of Abraham, but you're not doing what Abraham did." What did Abraham do? He heard God's revelation, heard it, understood it, and then acted upon it. Jesus is basically saying, "If you heard me, do you believe me, are you willing to act upon it?" Abraham did a pretty good job of acting upon it. That's why faith was attributed to Abraham. And Jesus does this huge turnabout. They're claiming Abraham as dad. Their family tree goes all the way back to Abraham. Be like, hey, I'm completely, pick out your favorite hero or heroine. heroine, And say, I'm related to them. I always get to say I'm related to Steve McQueen because he's the coolest actor ever. They're like, hey, Abel is our dad. The coolest dude of ever religious faith. is That's, our, that's where we, our family tree goes back to. And so what does Jesus say your family tree actually goes back to? Yes. You're doing what your father has instructed you to do. They're like, hey, we're not illegitimate children. Hey, by the way, that's been edited for your English text. and Jesus answered if God were indeed your father you would love me can he say that to us today hey I love me some Jesus well then act like it do you love him do you love others like he wants you to you actually don't because you don't you refuse to hear my word he says or believe me actually your father is the devil that is crazy talk you can see the Jews picking up stones already, right? They're getting excited about stoning this guy. They're excited about stoning Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Satan can't stand the truth. He propagates lies and contains no truth. Satan's character is nothing but deception and lies. Because, get this. What did the, what did the Jews want to do to Jesus? They wanted to arrest him and what? Huh? kill him what has satan been on the goal to do to the seed out of eve since that promise was given what has satan tried to do with the bloodline that was going to have that kid just think of the christmas story how does it go for the kids to and under christmas there's no christmas trees it's killing them Satan has been on a journey to kill Jesus, God, from the get-go. If your archenemy is God himself and you can kill him, that's, 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 uh, that's the end game. The spiritual descendants of God the Father hear, believe, and do what God says. And he says, you guys aren't. You're not spiritual descendants of God the Father because you won't hear me or believe me. Following Jesus means a matter of obedience and faith in action. Faith in Jesus is not by affiliation. It's not because you join a church that has Jesus in the title. It is not because of your family affiliation. Well, Grandma was a Christian. It's not because of social standing. Only faith in Jesus is what brings salvation. And a natural character, however good we are, is flawed by sin. I don't care how good you are putting makeup on your sin, there's still sin underneath. And dealing with it means the only way it's going to be taken care of is through the blood of Jesus. And that victory was through his resurrection. We must abide, live in, and take nourishment in Jesus for our spiritual life and live in his life. So we sin in the dark, sin in the light, and sin is our character, and finally sin is death. Move to verse 48. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus said, I don't have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you, do not, you, you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you. Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Sin is death. Look at the beginning of how this starts. Are, you, are we writing that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Think of the worst possible phrase you could come up with. Oh, my gosh. And your mom washed your mouth out with like 50 gallons of soap. This is... Oh. I don't even want to come up with an illustration because you all be amazed that I'd say that. I just can't believe that the Bible is so doggone off, accurate. We just, it's just like, oh, you're a demon-possessed Samaritan, so What? I'm not just say it's really really bad what they said to Jesus right here the most degrading thing they could think of they called him and Jesus answered was hey, I'm not demon possessed I honor the father but you dishonor me I keep his word and if you keep my word believe what I said you won't ever see death and now you can see the Jews just ready to say, whoa, we mean never see death. Who are you claiming to be? Now we know you're possessed. Abraham died. The prophets died. And yet you speak of never dying. Do you claim to be greater than the Abraham who actually died? Who in the world do you think you are? Jesus' answer Any glory that I get comes by way of the Father. You really don't know God, but I do. If I said I didn't know God, I'd be a big, fat liar like you all. But I do know him. And he says, your physical father, Abraham, rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and was glad. And there's the logical question. If you've been alive to see Abraham and you're not yet 50... How could you ever have seen Abraham? Who in the world do you think you are? And Jesus says, I am. How old are you? Yes. In English, it'd be like, Wow, you must be what fit between twenty and eighty? No, I always have been. Now here's the thing for the Jews. When Moses asked, I say, sent me, what does God say? I am. There is no time. God's outside of time. How would you define how old you are if you were God? Yes. Punctilier eternality for the big thinkers in the room. It is forever eternal then. And so he claims the very name of God here. If it ever isn't in clear, this is the clearest part in scripture because the reaction of the Jews, even if we don't get the I am thing, they certainly did. Now they've got gloves are off. You claim some crazy stuff. Leviticus 24, 17 says we can stone you. But Jesus hid himself and left the temple. There the place where Jesus was teaching was really close to where the Sanhedrin, the big wigs of the Pharisees would meet. And they're the ones who are going to condemn Jesus. And there's a lot of thought that the time Jesus is teaching this, Herod is redoing the temple. There could have been bricks upon blocks and all kinds of nice weaponry to throw at Jesus. Only Jesus could be in a crowd in a spot like this and they say something, definitely, if he was a lunatic and a liar, an egomaniac, wanted to be the cool guy, but a little bit off his rocker and claim some weird stuff, they could have easily killed him right here. Boxed in. But what happens? It wasn't his time. Jesus hid himself and left the temple. So during the character assassination, Jesus makes a gracious offer of life. Our sin does bring about death. Our cemeteries, our funeral homes, and crematoriums are fine exhibits of this. But God, Jesus, offers life in the light right now. Eternal life right now. So let's recap where we've been this morning. Sin in the dark. The lady caught in adultery. They bring her in front of Jesus early in the morning, so let's assume that they caught her the night before. So the sun breaks, they haul her in front of Jesus. She's caught. Jesus meets her right there in the sin of the nasty darkness. John 8, 1-11. Sin is brought to light. Jesus deals with the sin right there in the light and says, I am the light. Let's deal with this. Sin is our character. He said some really strong things about them. Their father was Satan. But really, what's he saying? You're doing what your father has trained you to do. If you leave a kid, if you leave somebody to be who they naturally are, it doesn't turn out well. Aside from Jesus and renovating your character, you are just as your father. You act like who trained you. Sin is our character. Sin is death. See how this worked? How John has developed these ideas? That's the negative side of it. Let's flip it around. Jesus comes into the dark. Jesus meets the Lady in Adultery right there early in the morning, meets her where she is in front of her accusers and says, Meet me, you repented, now go sin no more. Jesus is the light. He brings light to the darkness of the world in which we're in. Jesus gives new character. And finally, Jesus is life. Therefore, following Jesus gives light and life. If you want life now. It is found in Jesus. He gives light, truth and light. You have to search for who is truth, what is truth. Jesus is truth. It does exist. You can know it and you can live it and you can follow it. There are things that following Jesus looks like in real time. Action. It's not, it's not theory. And it is eternal life. So if today... If you've never met Jesus, never made a decision to follow Jesus, there is light in life, eternal life, and it's a temporary offer. Do you allow exposure to the light? If you say you follow Jesus and I believe it is Jesus, do you allow to be exposed to it? If it's one thing we're guilty of, and I'm the best at this, I mean, they just turn away from you and cover their face, like, oh, I can't see me. We do we turn, don't want to be exposed to light because then we then you get to see how... Even as followers of Jesus, you allow yourself to be exposed to Him and His light. And by the way, that is in community and not necessarily always alone. Pastors Ryan and Pastors Michael have the authority to ask me questions to expose me to the light because I've granted that to them because I'm not good at doing it myself. We allow that with one another. Who is discipling you in the light? Who is you? Who are you, Where are you spending time with somebody to disciple you and what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the light? Who are you discipling? Following Jesus is not a solo effort. Who are you training and who's training you? Then in our community. Are you willing to speak of the light as you're evidencing your faith walk? Here's a little thing, I don't mean to sound really crass, but if you're only talking about Jesus, not living for Jesus, shut your mouth. I got enough of that out there. I knew a pastor who worked in bivocational ministry and he was a he was a foreman of a <clears throat> local factory. And this new guy came in and loved Jesus a ton, but he was a horrible worker. The pastor says, I will fire you. Shut your mouth. You must get out on the work floor and work really hard before you open your mouth again about Jesus. Because Jesus has good workers and you're not one of them. Oh, you're good at talking. So if you don't shut your mouth, I'm firing you right now. So as we go into our life this week, speak of it as you're living it. Don't mix the two. But do the two. Does that make sense? Pray that God would give you the opportunity to share Jesus in the darkness. It is dark out there. But if you pray and ask God for an opportunity to share Him, and it comes along, are you willingly obedient to take the action steps to follow through and actually share Jesus? Here are some hard challenges this week. Let's pray that we can have the faith to follow them. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org.